You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Hi, I'm Bill Defensive and Greg Russo, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellas on Circling the Wagons podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills! Yeah. 2022, we here. Hey, 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 let's go, Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo Bills. Hey, 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 let's go, Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo Bills. Hey, 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 let's go, Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo Bills. Hey, 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 let's go, Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo Bills. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey, Bills Mafia. Welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I am your host, Nate. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We have a great guest for you guys. We're going to talk with Thad Brown of Channel 8. Here in Rochester, you've seen him on Rochester First, Buffalo Camp Day Recap Podcast, and Buffalo Kickoff Live. Um, Thad is an excellent, excellent media member here in Rochester. I was super psyched to talk to him and get his thoughts on like biggest surprises in training camp, positional battles, middle linebacker, right guard, cornerback. Um, does he have any training camp darlings? Um, wanted to ask him about Ken Dorsey's play calling thus far in camp. And also wanted to talk to him about DeMar Hamlin because if you remember, um, he uh, gave me the video from the ESPYs award show the narration that Demar Hamlin did. It was really, really spectacular. He gave that to me, so I wanted to thank him for that and also get a chance to actually talk with him because I've been following his career for a while and he's and he's just seemed like a really interesting guy. So he does not disappoint. But first this episode is brought to you by the Twin Spire Sportsbook at Delago. If you are in the Western New York or Central New York area, I'm tired of saying that. If you're if you're in Pennsylvania, if you're in Connecticut, if you're in Ohio, if you're within a drivable distance, do yourselves a favor. Check out the Delago Resort and Casino in Waterloo, New York. Um, the Twin Spire Sportsbook there is incredible. I've been to, like I said over and over again, I've been to over a dozen sportsbooks in Vegas, on the Strip, off the Strip, in Atlantic City, in Connecticut. Connecticut, other places, um, they they just don't compare. The Twin Spire Sportsbook is truly an amazing experience, and I know you'll enjoy it too. So without further ado, Thad Brown from Channel 8, RochesterFirst.com, Buffalo Camp Day, and Buffalo Kickoff Live. Hey Bills Mafia, welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I am your host, Nate. Thank you guys so much for joining us on another training camp episode. And we have a very special guest with us. He is the sports director of WROC TV Channel 8 here in Rochester. You've seen him on RochesterFirst.com and the Buffalo Camp Day Recap 
podcast, along with being the host of Buffalo Kickoff Live. I'd like to welcome Thad Brown to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Thad, it is so good to finally hook up and talk with you. How are you? Good, Nate. Thanks for having me on. Same here, man. I've you know followed you guys for a while, and you know you're in the certainly the the Bills Mafia content sphere. So to be a part of this is pretty cool. Thanks for having me on. No, no, I appreciate it. So um, let's start down this. At the time we're recording this, it was a second day of uh, padded uh, training camp practices. Um, have so thus far in training camp, have there been any surprises to you as far as players or positions that you've been paying attention to? You know, you talk about this being the second day of padded practices. So there's a lot of discussion about everything Bills related going back to, you know, the first practices in May and OTAs. And and I will always say that, you know, it really doesn't get important until the pads get on because that's when you really start playing football. Even the first few days of training camp aren't quite at the same level. And it's even more so when you talk about offensive defensive line. I mean, I really think that OTAs, anything, Carl Jones, who, who works with me here at Channel 8, he played Division One football at Syracuse, and he always says that, you know, that's pajama time when the guys don't have the pads on. All of that for the linemen doesn't even matter. I don't care. When the pads come on, I start to watch. The last two days, I've been keeping an eye on Osiris Torrance, and I think he's been very good. Um, he hasn't gotten all the first-team snaps, but he's gotten a large chunk of them, probably the majority of them over Ryan Bates. And when you evaluate guard play, I think the number one thing you want to hear is nothing. If you're not complaining about the guard, the guy's doing his job. Well, through two days, Osiris Torrance, I got nothing to say about him. He's just doing his job. In position, does a nice job of getting from defensive line blocks to the second level, picking up linebackers. You know, there was a knock on him coming out of college that maybe he doesn't move laterally well, picking up stunting pass rushers. I've seen him do that a couple of times. I was higher on him in that regard and to begin with. Well, from what I've seen in camp through two days, I've liked it. So I don't know if it's a surprise, but, you know, for a guy that is, I, I think, potentially very important when it comes to this Bills offense being more consistent, you know, getting back to the level that we saw in 2021, first half of 22, you know, being able to have a dependable interior of that offensive line is a big thing. Torrance might be a big part of that. And, and the early steps I've seen from him have been super encouraging. Well, that's, that's really good to hear. As far as his snaps with the first team have that come when ryan bates has been playing center or has he just been taken out while mitch morris is getting first team reps most of it has been with morris at center and torrance playing guard over bates but there is a decent chunk that's been bates at center too i've been a little surprised especially yesterday day one of pads how much bates played center i would think that morris with the very likely possibility he's going to have two new guards next to him this year you, especially for day one of pads, you haven't hit in seven months. There's no reason to rest the guy. You would want him to have reps with those two new guards. But uh, first day of practice, they kind of lightened his load a little bit. Um, day two, he was pretty much the center, I think, for just about every snap. Um, but, you know, Torrance's time at guard is not because Bates is playing center. It's mostly because he's playing over Bates so far. When you look at Osiris Torrance specifically, because the Bills have – pretty talented defensive line, specifically in the interior as well. I mean, do you take that into account? Like if he has a bad rep or he gets pushed into the ground on one rep, like, well, you know, he's facing at Oliver, like you can understand that. Or is it just, you're just evaluating him from the pure standpoint of like, just is he a good guard or not, not depending on who, what the challenge is in front of him. Play to play, I, I'm watching him just what he's doing. I, I want to see, you know, and look, I'm not an expert offensive line coach. I do, you know, try to watch the all 22 film and, and learn as much as I can. So I like to think I'm a little more educated than the average person. 
But when I'm watching, you know, guard playing camp, individual snaps, I want to see what he does. If he gets beat, he gets beat. You know, to me, that's a loss or a win. Um, I think over a larger, when you start looking at the entirety of what he's doing over two or three weeks at camp, if he's losing an individual play, but a lot of them are at Oliver, a lot of them are to Puna Ford, then I'm, I'm going to give him a little pass on that more so than if he's losing to Eli Anku or, or another guy down the depth chart. So, you know, get back to me in two or three weeks on that. Um, but individually, I really don't take the other thing into account because let's be fair, you know, I think most of us think Ed Oliver is a pretty good player, but there are better guys than Ed Oliver that Torrance is going to have to face, namely week one, Quinn and Williams of the Jets. So to just say, well, it's okay, you know, if Ed Oliver is getting past him, maybe not because then Josh Allen's going to have Quinn and Williams in his lap for all of Monday night, September 11th. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you, so you went with Osiris Torrance, which I thought maybe you might go Dalton Kincaid, because, but is it maybe not a surprise at how well he seems to be doing? And do you have that opinion of what you've seen so far from him? Yeah, I think with Kincaid, I don't know if it's a surprise. You know, I thought when they drafted him, they drafted him with the intention to use him a lot. So the fact they're using him a lot, you know, to me isn't a huge surprise. I know people like to think that, the Bills don't like to play the rookies. But I think really what more so has been the case the last couple of years is that the rookies they pick just haven't been as good as the rookies they picked previous to that. I mean, Devin Singletary has had the same snap count all four years with the Bills. Ed Oliver pretty much played immediately at defensive tackle. Trey White has been an every down player from the moment he showed up in Buffalo. So there are plenty of examples of guys that Sean McDermott has used as rookies. Now, you know, those guys also played when – the roster around them wasn't as good. Probably was easier to get on the field. Now, you know, it is a little harder for some of those guys to get on the field. But it wasn't like Kyrie Elam last year was, you know, having to face two Trey Whites to get onto the field. Trey White wasn't even active to start the year. You know, Greg Rousseau, when they drafted him, they had a dying need at edge rusher. You know, so there were opportunities for those two guys to play. I think going back to Kincaid, the goal is to get him to play. I think the thing that you're, you're encouraged by is that, he has not given them any reason to back off of that. You know, everything he does, everything he's done through the first week of camp has been the appearance of a rookie who is competent, who is ready to go, who can make plays this level. Um, and, you know, there, there are still going to be questions with him going forward. But through six practices, he's been everything the Bills have probably hoped he's been. So to put him in the category of surprise, I probably wouldn't go there. I think he's been what you want. It's certainly a good thing but not a surprise to me so far. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk to you about some positional battles. You already mentioned right guard, which is something that we've been watching so far. Um, what are your thoughts at all on, like, are there any other positional battles before I ask you about any specifically that, like, you've noticed or that been brought to your attention that you're like, wow, this is a really interesting uh, competition? I'm super excited about the middle linebacker battle. I mean, you know, covering this team the last few years, they've been so good. There aren't many, you know, big-time positional battles. And this year, you know, we went into camp thinking, is it Terrell Dotson? Is it Terrell Bernard? Maybe does Dorian Williams get a look? And then, lo and behold, practice three, it's Balin Specter taking first-team reps for the whole day. So it's been fun to have a, a position battle that's an all-out, you know, multiple candidate. You don't really know who might have the lead. Because even at guard, you know, we know the Bills spent a second-round pick on Torrance. He's going to have an advantage. At corner number two, we know the Bills spent a first-round pick on Elam. He's going to have an advantage. We have no idea with this. You know, it, it, Dotson's got so much experience that's going to be a big advantage over the two guys they spent a third-rounder on. But third-round is hardly a pick where you want to force a guy in there. So it, it's been fun to see what the Bills have done. And so far, it's been a, a 
one uh, one guy a day rotation. So it was Dotson, then Terrell Bernard, then Specter, then Dotson, then Bernard. Today on practice six, we had our first real change with that because Dotson went back in and got the first team rep. So if we're assuming there's a rotation, it seems like Specter might have fallen out of it, which isn't a stunner. He was the, the long shot to get that job anyway. So we might be down to Dotson versus Bernard for the job. And that battle could go for quite a while because um, I'm a Terrell Dotson fan. I think he can be a guy who can handle that role. Look, he's not Tremaine Edmonds, but when he's been in in a reserve capacity, I've liked what he's done for the most part. And considering the options the Bills have, you know, I, I think he's the guy with the highest floor. Terrell Bernard, you know, he, he's an athletic guy. You know, when he came out of college last year, I, I looked at him and said, this is Matt Milano's replacement. Well, Milano's the guy they kept, so maybe they're trying to wedge him in and be Tremaine Edmonds' replacement. Regardless, if Bernard becomes what Milano can be, even if it's 70 80% of it, he might be a little miscast as the middle, but I'll take two Matt Milano's at linebacker, you know, any day of the week. So that's where I think Bernard will have a real opportunity to win this job. But to me, I think through six practices, it's probably 60-40, I think, Dodson's job to lose right now. So before the training camp actually got started, Naheen Himes um, actually ended up, you know, with the injury because of the jet ski accident. Um, who have you seen take most of the reps at kick returner and punt returner in his stead? And is that even a competition? Uh, Deontay Hardy, I, I think, is the odds-on favorite for that. Um, you know, I haven't studied it too much because I'm really kind of assuming Hardy is going to be the guy. You know, now Khalil Shakir did it a lot in college, at least punt returning. And I think he can do it. I think he will be in the mix. But, you know, Hardy's a guy that was a, a Pro Bowl, an all-pro returner, a punt returner as a rookie. He's been doing both kick and punt returns pretty much his entire career in the NFL. You know, last year didn't play much at all because of the, the, the injury. Um, so it, he's a guy that not only can functionally do it, but probably can do it pretty well. So I think the only question is, if you make him the full-time returner, what does that potentially take away from what you want him to learn and to do on offense. And if it is too much, maybe they do have Hardy be the kick return guy and Shakir be the punt return guy. One interesting note about that is Sean McDermott said day one that they're actually Brandon Bean said this. Their plan was with Naheem Hines to return kicks this year. Remember there's a rule change where if you fair catch a kickoff, you can just take the ball to 25 like a touchback. My assumption is that the majority of teams will do that. But the Bills felt Naheem Hines was enough of a weapon. They wanted him to run the ball out anyway. With the injury, I think no matter who the kick returner is, they may lean more into having that guy be a, a, a fair catch touchback guy or a fair catch put the ball in the 25-yard line guy, maybe if only to allow that return man to concentrate more on offense if it is Deontay Hardy or to take you know snaps off of that guy as opposed to making him a full-time, let's figure out how to do returns guy in addition to everything else he wants to do. So it's not so much who the guy will be to me. It's how the Bills play it out, you know, with whoever that guy is, they decide uh, is going to be the return man. So you mentioned Deontay Hardy getting most of the kick return, punt return reps. You think he's slated in. What about for the potential slot receiver role when the Bills don't go 12 personnel or don't have two tight end setups with Knox and Kincaid? Who seems to be the guy that's playing in the slot more often than not? That's again Hardy, you know, and, and you know, you, you look at Hardy, I think he was supposed to be the replacement, you know, and I think from the Bills' point of view, hopefully the improvement upon. Isaiah McKenzie. McKenzie did, you know, all the gadget stuff, the inside runs, the end around jet sweep stuff. We've seen Hardy do a little bit of that in camp so far. Um, you know, so it's not a surprise that, that he's being used in that gadget type role. Um, Khalil Shakir, though, has gotten a decent amount of time with the ones. 
Um, and I think Trent Shurfield, to no one's surprise, is also playing with the ones quite a bit as well. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's still some um, flexibility as to where the Bills could go in that route. But, you know, I, what you expected the receivers to be, the guys after Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis, so far I, I think it's played out, you know, no real surprises there. There's no one, you know, young or unexpected or unheralded who's been involved in that. It's Ben Hardy. It's Ben Sherfield. It's Ben Shakir. And for the most part, those guys have made a decent amount of plays to where I, I don't think there's any need to demote or to look around on the rest of the depth chart to find someone else. Well, what's weird about that is, and I totally agree with you, like they have some talent there for sure, and maybe possibly, hopefully, better talent than Isaiah McKenzie was last year. But they brought in Andy Isabella. They worked out Nikhil Harry. Why do you think that is? Do you think they're looking for something that they don't have? Because this feels like one of the best wide receiving rooms that they've had in a while. Not that's a good question. Um, you know, I think there's depth there in terms of guys that you feel like can do the job in the NFL. But what do they have in guarantees? You know, they, they have Stephon Diggs. And even Gabe Davis is the number two. Is not something you can count on to be at a level – you know, that, that you would hope to get from that receiver. And certainly from what we saw Gabe Davis produce, you know, talent-wise his first two years before he assumed that number two role. So I don't think, you know, the Bills talk about creating competition. It might not be a situation where you want to find something else. It might be a situation where you bring something in to remind or to even motivate the guys you have that, hey, you know, we want you to have this role, but you got to take it. Because if not, we're going to go find someone else to do it for you. You know, the Deion Dawkins talked about this today. Josh Emmons mentioned it. You can sense there's a feeling with this team that they know the Super Bowl window that's open, at least open as wide as it is right now, is not lasting forever. So they're not going to mess around, you know, hoping Cleo Shakir develops, hoping Deontay Hardy learns the offense if those things are not happening. They're going to go find someone else. And from time to time, it doesn't hurt to remind the guys you have that that is the plan if those guys don't produce to, you know, the Bills' expectations. So – as you know, like in past training camps, there have been some training camp darlings, I'll call them, people that, you know, are underdogs, players that the the fan base wants to see succeed, maybe make a practice squad spot, maybe make the roster, maybe actually compete for a starting level position. These players, like, I think of like Duke Williams, the wide receiver, the big wide receiver, Des Lewis, even the wide receiver, there, Antonio Williams, Christian Wade, Derek Rogers, guys like that. Have there been any guys like that that have stood out to you? Maybe players that you didn't think would necessarily compete for any specific role that you're like, wow, he might, he might actually have a shot if, if other guys fall off or if there's an injury. It's a great question. And it's funny you bring this up because I've had the following conversation multiple times already. There hasn't been any of those guys and, and we're all expecting it because there's a laundry list. You want to go back to George Wilson, you know, a guy who was a, a training camp star. We haven't seen that. You know, there hasn't been the, the down the depth chart receiver that's really made a ton of plays, you know, and, and, and really, that's the story. You know, the surprise is that there's no surprise so far. If you want to talk about a, a guy who maybe is on the bubble, at least, who's had a good camp so far, Cam Lewis is your guy. Um, you know, on, on a Tuesday in practice six, he had a couple of big plays, knocked the ball away from Khalil Shakir down the field, had a big hit on Latavius Murray, knocked him off his feet, probably went across the line for what should be allowed for, for training camp contact. But let me tell you, Latavius Murray's a big guy. A big guy. And for, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And for Cam Lewis to declete him, which is more or less what it was, that was a hit that, that made some waves. And this is not the first day that Lewis has been making plays in this camp. He's looked really good. I've always thought he's a guy that's on the borderline of, of being NFL competent, of being a guy you can depend on. Now, people are going to think back to that Vikings game last year, and, yeah, he was bad in that game. You can't, can't spin that any other way. But he, he's looked good so far. 
you know, I think there is an opportunity if he can play some special teams to potentially make this roster. And the, the number one thing you can say about him is that through six days of practice, he's doing pretty much everything he can do to make this roster. Well, I, I think it's unfair when people look back at that Vikings game because you're going against Justin Jefferson, who could be on a potential Hall of Fame pace by the way that he's playing. I mean, I, I don't know many cornerbacks uh, that have great games against Justin Jefferson, but um, with that in mind, when you see him play, and by the way, that's that's insane that you said that he decleated Latavius Murray because he's like six foot three, two hundred and thirty pounds. So, so just to be fair, it, it wasn't quite a decleat. He did take him off his feet, though. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it wasn't the worst hit ever, but it was a big hit. It was notable. <laughs> was he playing mostly – because they don't really have a really good slot cornerback beyond mm-hmm. Taron Johnson. Was he playing that role, or was it safety? I didn't notice there, but he has moved around a little bit. You know, and, and, and that versatility is another reason why I'm a little encouraged by his opportunity to, to make the team. Um, and you're right. You know, the, the, it's funny you bring that up. I thought about this today. You know, you start looking at the roster, and you, you think, you know, if – if this guy got hurt, you know, what would be the biggest issue? And obviously there's, you know, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. Um, but last year we found out that, you know, the safety depth after the two top guys wasn't nearly good enough. And and I was looking around at, you know, where, where would the Bills really have a problem? You know, I think center is one this year, although Ryan Bates can do the job. But you're right. If Taron Johnson suffered a, a long-term injury, that would put a hole in the secondary that, you know, could be very, very problematic for this team. Because I think right now Saran Neal – would be the backup nickel. And when you think of the nickel, people need to understand that in Sean McDermott's defense, the nickel, yeah, he's a coverage guy, but he's also basically the third linebacker on rundowns. And that's what Taron Johnson has been. Saran Neal can do that job. The coverage part of it, I'm, I'm very doubtful that I want to trust him in that role. So, you know, maybe you're in a situation where if Taron went down, you play Saran on rundowns, you put Taylor Rapp in on pass downs as a, as a dime defender. But, you know, it's easy for me to say, it's even easier for offenses to see and say, okay, if wraps in, I'm going to run the ball. If you know, if nails in, I'm going to throw it. So losing Taron Johnson to me would be the, the the injury that I might worry about the most beyond the obvious major guys. So I'm going to throw a name out for you as far as training camp darlings because I was just reading a note about him, and honestly, I hadn't even thought about him even coming close to making the cut. And I think a lot of that has to do with, like you were mentioning, like the George Wilsons, like all these other guys. It's because the Bills weren't good for so long. Like they could they could afford like a seventh round or undrafted guy to make the team. Now they're so good that it's very hard for them, guys like that, to crack the, the roster. But what about a guy that has had starting uh, experience, but just had bad luck with injuries. And that's Shane Ray, the uh, the first round pick from Denver in 2018, who's a really good friend of Von Miller. Um, I've heard some positive things. Have you even noticed him on the field at all? And uh, and what are your thoughts on him? A little bit, yeah. I mean, it, you know, he's running down the depth chart quite a bit right now because of all of the the high asset and, and bigger name you know edges the Bills have right now. Um, but they are rotating him in. He's making some plays here and there. You know, you can. There are times when you can tell. He's the veteran because most of those, you know, second and third team reps are, you know, undrafted free agents, rookies, guys getting their first look. He's not that. He's a guy that's been around the block in the NFL. I really think it's going to be a long road for him to make this roster. Now, number one, I think to make the roster, Von Miller is going to have to start the year on, on the pup list, which is distinctly possible, but that would open a roster spot. But after that, you know, you've got Leonard Floyd, Greg Rousseau, who are locks. Shaq Lawson is kind of the dependable depth guy, you know, He's really developed into a pretty solid run defender, a guy that can, you know, handle the quicker uh, running quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, pretty well. Um, so I, I would find it – I think the Bills would find it difficult to release him. And then you've got two 
second round picks and AJ Epinesa and Boogie Basham, who this team is still committed to. Epinesa, I think, has had you know a decent camp. He people talk about that he, he developed uh, last year at the end of the year. I think he did a little bit, not to where I'm going to automatically drop him on the roster, but he's been solid in camp. Basham's a guy that used a lot of defensive tackles so far. So, you know, maybe they find a home for him there. I don't know how Shane Ray fits in, you know, on a team where um, they need to replace some special teams reps going into this season. You know, Taiwan Jones is not on this team anymore. You know, if they keep Reggie Gilliam, he's primarily there to be a, a, a special teamer more than a fullback. There are guys they need to replace that need to be able to play special teams. And if Shane Ray can't do that, you know, I don't know if he makes his team. So as much as you want to watch him in these preseason games, and he's going to get a lot of run in them, you know, chasing the quarterback, rushing off the edge, he better be a factor on teams because I don't think there's a way he makes this roster just as an edge rusher. Yeah, plus, I mean, it's it's more likely that they can fit him, stash him on the practice squad also. with, with Very possible, with, for sure. With, without any worry about any other team poaching him. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Um, so I know it's still early yet, but do you have any impressions about Ken Dorsey's play calling in camp with his second season compared to last season? Anything at all that you've noticed either formation wise or, or movement wise or anything like that? It's really hard to see so far. I mean, again, we, you know, we're, we're two days into pads, you know, so the, the first four days are, you know, three quarters of a practice at best so far. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, scheming things up, one of the things I want to see there were occasional issues last year where, you know, you'd end up with two receivers in the same spot, you know, and I don't know how much of that is poor scheme or poor coaching or poor execution or some combination of all three, which is, you know, the latter is probably the answer. But that's going to be something you see over a long period of time, you know, in September and October, not so much in, in July and August. So it's going to be a process for that. And, you know, I, I think we did not give the idea of a rookie play caller enough credence last year. You know, this is – a, a, a brand new role for Dorsey, same as it was a brand new role for Kyrie Elam, same as any rookie coming into the NFL. And there were going to have to be growing pains. And, you know, you, I think there's a good discussion to be had about whether the Bills might have been better off going with a more experienced coordinator simply because of where they are at in their own build. You know, they were ready to win a championship last year. That being said, um, you know, a lot of times coordinators are only as good as their players. Dorsey's got a heck of a lot of good players on that offense. It's very possible he just needed one year of seasoning, and year two is a whole lot better. So I think it will need to be um, because there were legitimate questions about the job he did as a coordinator last year. Um, but it's, it's way too early to tell in terms of assessing where he's at in year number two. I, I think he's got to be better because he'll have experience, he'll have knowledge. You know, he'll, he'll know how to handle it 
when he's got third and 10 on the road, down three, you know, in the division, more so than he did last year. So from that point of view, you'd think there should be some improvement. I mean, and just talking about that, I was going to ask you about McDermott on defense with his play calling, but I'm sure it's going to be a similar answer. Just it's hard to see at this point in training camp. But, I mean, at least McDermott has experience with being a successful defensive coordinator. Uh, Dorsey doesn't really have that. I mean, he, he's been successful, don't get me wrong, but maybe not to the level that we were hoping because we were used to Brian Dable. Could you see it? I mean, just in, in our conversation right now, I mean, that being the biggest X factor to the Bills. I mean, it's nice to talk about who's going to play right guard or who's going to play cornerback too. Like, those are all fun discussions, middle linebacker. But when it comes down to it, is this season more than any other positional battle or anything hinging on Ken Dorsey going from a rookie play caller to like having admittedly more success in his second season. And that being the determining factor on whether this team makes it to the next level. It's a heck of a discussion for sure. You know, um, I, I think, I think the Bills certainly need it. And one thing to keep in mind is that Dorsey last year, that Bills offense in most major statistical categories improved yards per game, yards per play, you know, yards per rush, yards per pass. Um, you know, points stayed flat. I mean, you know, as much as we all feel like it was a step back and, and a little of that might be because the last game was so bad, you know, numbers-wise, the offense really, you know, wasn't – it was better than it was the year before. So him taking a step forward, it might be a tough ask from the point of view that he took a really good offense and by the numbers made it better. You know, how much how much higher can you move with that? I think what I want to see with Dorsey is, is more consistency. You know, let me see from week one through week 17, this offense looks dangerous. Let me see things seem easier because without the numbers to back up the argument that Dorsey's year one was worse than the year before, it's it's for all of us. It's just an eye test. It's a field thing. Well, let me see the field. Get, let me see the, the, the drives appear like the Bills can move it down and, and look like they're dominantly the better team in the field, which is what their talent, their quarterback, and their number one receiver at the very least says they should be. It's a, and you know what? Admittedly, it's a really unfair bar to ask Dorsey to reach because, like I said, it's all on the eye test. It's all on how it feels. And, you know, at the end of the day, feel and eye test don't matter. It's about the number of points on the scoreboard. So it might be come down to we could talk about how Dorsey looks, how the offense looks, September, October, November, December. It really might be about the three games they play in January. How good is his offense then? Yeah, absolutely, because if, if – if you remember two years ago, and I'm sure fans remember, that's when the Bills really came on was at the very end of that season because they hit a lull. They hit a big lull uh, offensively in the middle of that season. They lost three games consecutively. I can't remember, but they didn't look yeah. good. And then, But it all matters And when you hit your stride. That's what I kept telling myself as a fan when they weren't looking you know, uh, dominating towards the end of the stretch. Like, well, it doesn't matter. Just get to the postseason, and then that's when you need to turn it. They just didn't, So, like we were all hoping. But... Um, you know, I want to ask you about DeMar Hamlin. I want to end it on this conversation. Um, you know, you shared the narration he did for the SBs with us, which I really appreciate. Um, we shared on social media. Um, and it was basically it, when he was, it was the narration before he gave the award, the Pat Terman or Pat Tillman service award to the uh, trainers and uh, staff members uh, from the Buffalo Bills coaching staff that, uh, or coaching training staff that, uh, that saved his life that night. Um, and and I don't know about you, but it got me pretty emotional listening to that. Um, you mentioned to me, you know, in private conversations, like how well it was done um, and stuff like that. I mean, how incredible has it been just to follow his story from that fateful night in January and to him just recently putting on his pads for the first time 
since that incident and like seeing him finally get some contact on the field. So I, you know, I, I kind of almost feel like, I mean, we, everyone who follows the Bills live that story to some degree. You know, I was on the field when he got hurt. I was probably 30 yards away from where the injury happened. You know, and, and you know, I remember being on the field and, and seeing what turned out to be chest compressions happening and not knowing it was CPR. But, but seeing that happening and thinking, were they doing CPR? Is that what was happening? And then spending the next day outside the University of Cincinnati Medical Center not knowing, you know, whether he was going to live or die, not knowing, you know, playing football again was not even the discussion. Just, you know, hoping that this this person would have a normal functional life. And there have been many times between then and now where myself and many other media members who lived something similar those two nights in January look at where DeMar Hamlin has gone to and think back to what we were thinking and how bananas it is that this is where he's at right now, that he is essentially just another football player, that you know, all of those medical issues and concerns that were paramount, that were the only thing that mattered, you know, back in January are now so far out the window that we're just talking about football. And, and it really, you know, there are goosebump moments with that. And the thing that's impressing me even more beyond how good it feels to see DeMar make this physical recovery is the person he's become. He had a press conference uh, yesterday on Monday where he for 23 minutes talked about all the different things he wants to do, his mission, you know, his his perspective. This is a 25-year-old kid. I mean, you know, you and I, were when we were 25, I wasn't half that smart to what he's at right now. And for him to take this negative, I mean, he, he pointed it out. This is probably going to be the most unfortunate event that happens in his life. And he's had to live it. Every moment of it, every step of the recovery, he's had to deal with it in the public eye with people scrutinizing him. Now, look, it's not his fault. No one... No one you know, is going to criticize him for, you know, not being able to get back on the football field faster. But you think back at the worst part of your life, if you had had to do all of that with the entire world watching, how difficult that would be. And he admitted that it would be easier for him if he could just do it all under a rock and pop back out when he's ready to go. But he also understands that by living that life, living that process in public, he's gaining strength from it. And to have that attitude and that perspective and to want to take this terrible event and turn it into something positive. He wants the whole world to be CPR certified. I'm blown away. I mean, not only from from just the generic idea of a 25-year-old wanting to do that, I did interviews with DeMar Hamlin before all this happened. He was not anywhere near this outgoing. He was not, he wasn't like a, a, a quiet, scared guy, but he wasn't this, you know, and it's just been, you know, um, impressive, awe-inspiring to see not only the recovery, but the growth in this young man and, and where his life seems to be headed going forward. And I hope he accomplishes all the things he wants to accomplish because, you know, he will leave this world a whole heck of a lot better than he, the way he came into it, and certainly a heck of a lot better than it was eight, ten months ago before this all happened to him. Yeah, absolutely. Well put, Ted. Um, you know, I, I hate to even mention this just because, like, I mean, but this is a Bills podcast, you know, it's training camp. You know, I was reading some things, you know, Tim Grant had an article in the, in the athletic about an uphill battle that, you know, uh, DeMar is going to have just to make the roster in, in my head. I wasn't even questioning it because the bills have, you know, Poyer and Hyde, we all know um, they have been prone to injuries as of late. So then you have Taylor Rapp, which is a very qualified veteran for the first time that they've had in that role, but they still have, you know, a spot for a fourth uh, safety. And, you know, they hate getting rid of guys, especially guys with starting experience that are on their rookie contract. So I just took it for granted. Like he's going to make the roster no matter what. I mean, he played, you know, 
But then in reading the Tim Graham article, like, you know, he still does have somewhat of an uphill battle to make the roster. I mean, do you, do you think that at all from looking like putting, you know, our thoughts and emotions aside, our feelings, but do you think that he still has that uphill battle? Or do you think like, I mean, as things progress the way they do, like he, he probably will make the roster. I'll tell you a story that, that kind of, you know, crystallizes where I'm at with this about eight, 10 years ago. Um, I don't remember the name of the player, but there's a player for the bills who was on the roster bubble. Um, Final day of cuts come, he makes the team. And, you know, we, we talked about him all through camp. We wondered if he'd make the team. He makes the team. We, you know, the big media interview, congrats, how does it feel? You know, uh, excited about the season, blah, blah, blah. 24 hours later, he got cut. This business is ice cold. The Bills will do, and like I said, going back to the, they know where the Super Bowl window's at. They're going to do what they have to do to put together a championship roster. Now, that means releasing DeMar Hamlin. They will do it. That being said, I'm with you. The, the likelihood, I think, is pretty small. He fits perfectly in that fourth safety role. Like you said, that there is. I, I think one of the reasons they went out and got Taylor Rapp is because they saw what happened when Poyer and Hyde got hurt last year. They don't want to live that again. But all the things that happened last year, DeMar Hamlin was the best of what they found. So I think he stays. I think he does have to be a factor on special teams. You know, Normally your fourth safety would be that guy. And prior to last year, Jaquan Johnson – Although he wasn't a great safety, he was an excellent special teamer and was used all over the place. So if DeMar Hamlin can't replace all those roles, then the likelihood of him getting released goes up. But end of the day, I'd say 80-20, something like that. He's probably going to make this team. But, yeah, it is not a lock, and, and that thought has occurred to me you know, more than once You know, since DeMar Hamlin, the football player, became, again, the priority over DeMar Hamlin, the, the human being. Yeah, absolutely. Well put. So, Thad, I want to thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. Um, folks can find all your great work on Channel 8, WROC-TV here in Rochester at rochesterfirst.com, at the Buffalo Camp Day Recap Podcast, at Buffalo Kickoff Live. I mean, Jesus, is there anything you're not doing? <laughs> um, hey, this this is how it works now. This is how it works now, Nate. you got to be everywhere. And and by the way, you didn't forget, I'm Thad Brown 7 on Twitter, Thad Brown 7 on Instagram, Thad Brown 7 on TikTok, so you'll find all kinds of content at all those different platforms. This is this is the world we live in right now. I'm trying to embrace it and, and uh, engage with it as much as I can. Well, you're doing a great job because I was going to ask you about social Thanks. media, and you're already hitting TikTok, which we haven't ventured into. It's a, it's the next it's the next stage. So so appreciate again you taking the time, being flexible, coming on, and uh, and just giving your expertise from from one Rochester guy to another Rochester guy. It's good to talk some bills uh, bills uh, you know discussion in training camp. So appreciate that. Same, Nate. Thanks for having me on. It was a good chat. He asked some good questions, and uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime. Thanks again to Thad Brown for coming on and talking Bill's training camp with us. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, wherever you can. Find all his work there. I'm going to put some links in the show notes for all of his work as well. Uh, Just a reminder that all of the Pills media members, I mean, and I've talked to quite a few, and Make no mistake, they're doing me a favor by coming on the podcast and talking bills with me. I know they're very busy. I mean, you you just heard what Thad's doing. Thad has four different, five different jobs that he's doing right now, and he still took the the thirty, forty, fifty minutes to come on and talk bills with us. So certainly appreciate that. We're in. We're very lucky as Bills fans to have such great and accessible media members for consuming Bill's uh, content. So appreciate that. Um, once again, I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by the Twinspire Sportsbook at the Delago Resort and Casino. Um, check them out. Make the trip down 
the Thruway, Route 90, get off at Exit 41, and check out the Delago Resort and Casino, where every moment is a winning moment. We're going to be back with you guys on Sunday again, or Monday. We're going to record Sunday night, but we'll be back with you guys Monday at noon for another episode with Mike and John, my co-hosts. And for me, Nate, go Bills, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Buffalo, 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 it's the mafia. Buffalo, 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 it's the mafia. Buffalo, 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 it's the mafia. It's the Buffalo Bills, eh? It's the Buffalo Bills, eh? Buffalo, 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 it's the mafia. Josh Allen, Steph Diggs, Shaq Lawson, who's stopping us? Trey Edmonds, Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, who blocking us? I don't see nobody stopping us. Number one, no one on top of us. What they gonna do in Matt Milano coming with the blitz off the edge? Don't you throw it in the air, cause Trey White and Micah Hyde will intercept. Von Miller getting double teamed, now the team getting easy sacks. Russo with the double moves, coming straight for the quarterback. Take him down, take him down. McDermott clapping on the sidelines, and the crowd going crazy. Mafia, it's our time. Josh Allen, it's your time. It's the Mafia, yeah. Sunday, one Bills drive. Mafia, where you at? Buffalo, 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 it's the Mafia. 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 It's the Buffalo Bills, eh? It's the Buffalo Bills, eh? Buffalo, Buffalo. Buffalo, it's the Mafia Josh Allen, Steph Diggs, Shaq Lawson, who's stopping us? Trey Edmonds, Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, who blocking us? I don't see nobody stopping us Number one, no one on top of us Mitch Moore snapped to Josh Allen looking down the field See no one open, so he scrambled right He sees somebody open, but he off balance So he gotta be focused Dawkins with the block, Allen with the shock 70 yards, will it be called Gabe Davis or Jay Crowder? Down the field, past the whole roster That Steph Diggs make it so easy Touchdown, high I feel rockin' every Sunday Got a hangover on every Monday Get your bass kicked, you know we winning. Josh Allen passing, who gon' pass us? With Devin and Cook, you know we great If you're not a Bills fan, we don't relate Nah Buffalo, 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 it's the Mafia Josh Allen, Steph Diggs, Don Brown, who's stopping us? Trey Edmonds, Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, who blocking us? No one Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. <laughs> More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. 
Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Call mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.